While it ultimately was closer than what the scoreboard indicated to Arrowhead Stadium, the Seahawks weren't able to take advantage of several key opportunities in a 24-10 loss to the Chiefs. I'll be breaking it all down in our weekly postcast here on Christmas Eve on the Locked on Seahawks podcast. You are Locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Welcome to all the 12s that are taking the time to listen to our weekly postcast on Christmas Eve. Hopefully you're enjoying listening to the show with friends and family. And if you're not listening, I'm not going to take any offense to it, obviously, with it being a holiday, especially with the Seahawks, unfortunately, being on the losing end for the fifth time in six games. It was a valiant effort on defense, but the offense didn't come through in Arrowhead Stadium in a 24-10 loss. To the Chiefs, I'm going to be taking a deep dive into that game with some quick takeaways, game balls, and of course our weekly three up, three down. So let's get to it here. The Seahawks had several opportunities on Saturday, Christmas Eve, to make things interesting against the Kansas City Chiefs, who quite frankly were not as explosive as we typically see them on the offensive side of the football. That's a testament to what the Seahawks did defensively. They forced six punts in this game. They forced four three and outs, the most the Chiefs have had this entire season in a single game. So Clint Hurt's defense stepped up. There were certainly some missed opportunities on the defensive side of the football as well. Too many explosives again, but they had very little margin for error. And the big reason why is because the Seahawks were mired in a deep freeze on the offensive side of the football the entire game, going two for 14 on third down, converting only once in the red zone. And they had five possessions leading up to their final possession of the game. Their first five possessions that they got in Kansas City territory, they scored a total of three points. So this game really boiled down to atrocious situational football for the Seattle Seahawks. Again, two for 14, 14% on third down. They were three for six on fourth down, but they started the game one for four in that category. And so they had a lot of missed opportunities early that left points on the board. They had a couple missed fourth downs where Geno Smith completed passes and they were a yard short on those completions. So they weren't able to get past the sticks and it was really frustrating to watch. And again, 10 points in six trips into Kansas city territory. That number is inflated by a late touchdown thrown to Noah Fant when the game was already out of reach, the Seahawks just didn't get the job done in situational football. And I think the big reason for it is the negative plays. They had eight plays netting zero or negative yardage on first and second down in just their first four drives alone. Obviously didn't get any first downs. They were third and six or worse in all four of those possessions that went three and out. And I think the worst thing, they had seven plays that were non-sacks, non-penalties in this game that went for negative yardage. As great as Ken Walker the third played, and I'm sure I'm going to have more time to talk about his performance as this show progresses, but he got stuffed in the backfield numerous times. Most of the time, it was not his fault. Blocking broke down. Credit to the Chiefs for getting into the backfield. But you can't have that many negative plays. And again, that was non-sack non-penalty plays as well. Seattle, right out of the gate, had a big run from Ken Walker III on the first play from scrimmage, only for DK Metcalf to get busted for an obvious hold on the outside, wiped out that run. So that wasn't even included in that. There were a couple of other huge penalties that put the Seahawks behind the sticks early, and it was abysmal. Their first eight drives, they had six 
uh, five five possessions that they went three and out. They had two possessions that they had turnovers on downs, and then they had one possession that they got a field goal at the end of the first half. The only points that they had, and they almost didn't get a field goal on that drive, in part because they wasted two timeouts early in the first half. So this was not just about the players on the field. The coaching staff as well, there was a questionable game plan. I think in the second half, you started to see things come together a little bit, really sticking with the run game. And they started to use the middle of the field a little bit more in the passing game. But there were certainly time management issues. There were game management issues, some questionable decisions when they went for it on fourth down, when they didn't go for it on fourth down. Those can always be debated coming out of games like this. What can't be debated, though, is that the Seahawks really shot themselves in the foot of this game on offense. When you go two for 14, it it takes a lot to go two for 14 on third down. And they were setting themselves up with really difficult situations where Geno Smith was under siege with a really good defensive front for the Chiefs. They were able to get after him early and he didn't necessarily help with that situation with happy feet, was making some questionable decisions with the football, the offense as a whole, even though they were able to get their run game going some in this game, there were some numbers to like the fact that they had almost 50 more yards than the Chiefs. Again, yards is kind of one of those frivolous statistics that doesn't always tell the story of the game. You can get 500 yards and have six turnovers. It doesn't matter. But Seattle just didn't do enough when they got past midfield. They had a number of opportunities. Three, They had three possessions that they were to the 34-yard line or closer in Chiefs territory in the second half that they didn't score a single point. You can't do that against bad football teams, let alone an AFC West champion Chiefs squad that has a chance to get back to the Super Bowl, one of the best teams in the NFL. You know they're going to put some points on the board, even today when they weren't humming on all cylinders. And the Seahawks defense made some big plays, forced a number of three and outs, forced a number of punts. It still wasn't enough because the offense was not able to hold up its end of the bargain. A lot of that falls in the quarterback, but certainly the game plan, there were some questions about if this offensive line has regressed as the season has gone on and not a great game for that group up front, protecting Geno Smith, opening up the run game. Things changed some in the second half, but really it boils down to that poor third down efficiency, the inability to finish off drives and take advantage of opportunities because really the Chiefs left this game open for the Seahawks the entire second half. It was 17 to three going into the fourth quarter. And that was the halftime score. There was a window there. The Seahawks had significantly more yardage than the Chiefs, but they couldn't turn it into points on the scoreboard. They left some potential field goals out there opting to go for it on fourth down instead. And I liked the aggressive mindset because of who you were playing but they just the play calls were peculiar and choosing to dump the ball off to Colby Parkinson, for example, in a fourth down, three yards short of the first down marker. I'm not sure why that was drawn up that way and why Geno Smith went that direction when that probably wasn't going to move the chains. They had another throw to Laquan Treadwell in fourth down that ended up being short of the sticks as well. You can't have mistakes like that in key opportunities where you don't take advantage and expect to win football games like this against a really good, really well-coached Kansas City Chiefs team. And so with this defeat, because the offense wasn't able to step up to the plate, only put 10 points to the board, really was three because they had a garbage touchdown late when the game had already been decided. But for them not to step up, the Seahawks are now seven and eight. They are not eliminated from the playoffs. They did benefit from what happened in other games today. The Lions losing, the Giants losing, the Commanders are playing the 49ers as we speak right now. If the Commanders lose that game, then suddenly the Seahawks are still in the driver's seat. They can win the last two games here and have a really solid chance to make the playoffs. If the Commanders win today, that really makes things a lot more murky 
especially with the Giants still being a game up in the loss column on the Seahawks. So uh, Seattle's in a position they can still make the postseason, but this is a game that certainly slipped away from them, that the Chiefs gave them chances to win, and the offense just couldn't capitalize on the opportunities presented to them. Come up short, now under 500, and seems even further of a long shot for them to get to the postseason. Up next, I'm going to get to our weekly game balls. There certainly were some standouts for the Seahawks that kept them in this football game and gave them a chance to win, even though they couldn't punctuate drives with points. I'll get to those on offense, defense, and special teams coming up next year on our postcast edition of Locked On Seahawks. Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell. Your coworkers can tell. Even your parents can tell. Everyone can tell. So what makes you think law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different, and driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI, paid for by the NHTSA. You're listening to the weekly postcast edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to have all the 12s here on Christmas Eve listening to Locked on Seahawks. And a special thanks to all of you that make Locked on Seahawks your first listen Five days a week. The Seahawks falling short again, their fifth loss in six games, a really devastating one in Kansas City because this was a game that it felt like slipped away. It's a little bit different than last week. The 49ers only beat the Seahawks by eight points, but it felt like the 49ers dominated the game a lot more than that. The Seahawks lose this one by 14 to Kansas City, and yet it felt much closer to that than that. And the Seahawks just missed out on so many opportunities in this game. Let's get to our game balls. There were certainly some standouts on offense, defense, and special teams today, even in defeat. And on the offensive side of the football, it's interesting. Going into this game, if you listen to our Blue Friday episode, my co-host Nick Lee and I were both hammering our uh, fist to the table saying, you've got to get a bunch of carries. You really got to find a way to get this run game going to win this football game. And well, the Seahawks were able to do that, even though it was a long struggle. They only had 19 rushing yards from Ken Walker the third in the first half, and he was really bottled up by the Chiefs. They weren't able to get anything going. Nine carries for 16 yards, a bunch of negative plays where he was stuffed in the backfield. Three negative plays, two stopped at the line of scrimmage. But in the second half, because they stuck with it, they started to mix in some more under center runs, and they started to work in the perimeter run game. Ken Walker the third came to life. 26 carries. 107 yards in this football game, and he was far from perfect. There were some plays that he took big losses where he should have just stuck his cleat in the turf and gotten upfield, but there were also a number of explosive plays in the day where the Seahawks really couldn't get any of those going offensively for the most part. He had five runs in the second half of nine yards or more, including a 20-yarder. He was the big reason that the Seahawks were able to get deep into Kansas City territory three different times in the third quarter and early fourth quarter and if they just could have found a way to finish off a couple of those drives, we might be having a much different discussion right now. We could be talking about a Seahawks win, but they weren't able to finish off any of those drives. Not going to blame Ken Walker III for that, though, because he put them in position to go get points, and then they had some major miscues that ended up costing them. But his first game with over 100 rushing yards since Week 9, 
and racking up 26 carries while not being at 100% health. He's clearly not 100% healthy or they wouldn't be sitting him out the entire week at practice. I know that they're monitoring his ankle and just trying to keep him good for game day, but this kid is battling through an ankle that's not 100%. For him to go out and play the way that he did, you would have liked to see him more involved in the passing game, especially with the Chiefs' issues they had defending running backs in the passing game. Seahawks didn't seem like they were very interested in taking advantage of that, though, and a couple of times they dumped it off to Walker. He got snuffed out. Not really his fault, but made some big plays on the ground. Thought about DK Metcalf on this one, but wasn't able to reel in what would have been a crucial touchdown in the red zone. Couldn't get both feet down, and there were a couple other missed opportunities for him. So Ken Walker the third, getting the game ball here, leading a resurgent running game that actually was pretty solid in the second half, especially when they were able to get outside off tackle and use Ken Walker the third speed. On defense, I'm going to surprise some of our listeners because there were a few players that had nice, nice stat lines in this game. Daryl Taylor had a sack, four tackles was pretty productive when he was on the field today. They got some contributions from a few of their secondary players getting their hands on the football. I'm going to go with a guy that was only credited with one tackle, though, and that's Quentin Jefferson. If you were watching the game closely and the announcers pointed this out, big number 77 was very disruptive in this game. I got to go back and watch the All-22. It might have been more than this, but I had at least three quarterback pressures for him. He was consistently turning up the heat from the interior on Patrick Mahomes. He had a quarterback hit. He also had a pass breakup at the line of scrimmage. So he was very active up front. And Jefferson actually had a big game against the Chiefs in his last stint with the Seahawks when Patrick Mahomes came out to then named CenturyLink Field. Had a big game chasing down Mahomes from the interior. And a number of the third downs where the Seahawks were able to get off the field, a big reason why they were able to do it is because Patrick Mahomes was not able to set his feet and he was on the run because Quentin Jefferson was coming after him. You add in the pass breakup again, a very active game for Quentin Jefferson, who's had an up and down first season back with the Seahawks. But I thought he played very well today. Not a player that if you just look at the box score, you're going to understand how well that he played. But you go back and you watch the film again, a lot of those third downs the Seahawks were able to get off the field. You can credit Quentin Jefferson because he was able to get off his block quickly and create some pressure, disrupt the pocket, and get Patrick Mahomes off of his game. And he was able to force some bad throws from Mahomes in this game, and the Seahawks were able to get a lot of third-down stops as a result. And on special teams, let's give some kudos to the punter, Michael Dixon. There were certainly some mishaps on special teams. Godwin Iguibuque had a beautiful kick return in this game that got the Seahawks past midfield to start in the first half and they didn't take advantage of that ended up getting stuffed on fourth down a few plays later just really was the tail of the game he also botched a kickoff though so I can't have him on this list for that reason that ended up being a pretty big mistake even though Seahawks did drive down and get a field goal at the end of the first half despite that Michael Dixon on the other hand five punts 238 yards 47.6 average that might not be the best average that Michael Dixon's had in a game in his career. Only one of those kicks landed inside the 20-yard line, too. Some of that's because he was punting a lot from deep in Seahawks territory. But I want you to consider the elements that Seahawks and the Chiefs were playing in. Sub-zero temperature with wind chill. Trying to kick a football is basically like kicking a boulder. And you could hear it when the punter's foot was hitting the football on the TV today. You could just hear the difference when you're kicking a cold, heavy like that he was still off his run 
getting really good yardage, and it was setting the Seahawks up, especially in the second half, with better field position defensively. They got put in rough spots in the first half because the Seahawks' offense was getting stopped deep in their own territory. The Chiefs were getting started 40-yard liner or closer, and it put the Seahawks' defense in a little bit of a bind. But Michael Dixon had some really nice punts today, and he's continued to be one of the best punters in the NFL. The field position battle, it did serve the Seahawks well, until the offense couldn't take advantage of it in the second half. So some kudos to Michael Dixon. He did make some really nice punts today in really difficult elements as a place kicker or a field or, or a punter. It makes it really difficult when you're trying to boot a cold, hard football in these conditions. And yet he went out there and had a really nice game. All right, let's get into our three up, three down here. Coming up next, I'm going to be looking at my three players that were the studs for week 16 and then Unfortunately, as we do each and every week, looking at three players that were duds, didn't necessarily play their best game at Arrowhead Stadium. We'll get to those here in a moment on our weekly postcast of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and World Cup. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. It's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to our weekly postcast edition of Locked On Seahawks. Happy Christmas Eve to all of our listeners. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. And a special thanks to all of our listeners who make Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate you. And hopefully you'll get to enjoy the holidays here with your family and friends. Let's get to our game balls. The Seahawks, unfortunately, unable to get the upset. At Arrowhead Stadium, the Chiefs gave them some opportunities and the Seahawks decided not to take advantage of them on the offensive side of the football. A really difficult day for Geno Smith and company. There were some players, though, that had some good games on the offensive side of the football. And the first one that I want to give a shout out to, and I think there were certainly some missed opportunities for this player at right tackle, replacing Abraham Lucas in the second half, gave up a few pressures. But Stone Forsyth has not played very many snaps in the NFL since they drafted him out of Florida in the sixth round last year. Has not played really at all other than a couple of plays being a sixth offensive lineman that they used him earlier in the game today. But I thought that he proved to be a pretty solid player out there for the run blocking aspect, he was able to get to the perimeter a couple times and make some nice blocks to spring Ken Walker the third. I didn't think that Lucas looked very good in the first half, and if he's playing through an elbow injury, that probably explains everything. Forsyth being healthy, was able to go out there, use his athleticism, that former basketball background, get out in space a little bit, and he made some nice blocks. And I thought overall he held up fairly well in pass protection as well. So that'll be interesting to see what happens here the next few weeks because Abraham Lucas has been dealing with this elbow issue now for almost a month. This has been an issue that's been ongoing for him, and he's been able to suck it up. Pete Carroll said after the game that he maybe could have continued playing today, but they decided to rest him. Who knows what they're going to do going into this next game against a really good Jets defense. It's got some very good pass rushers off the edge. They're going to want their line at full strength. Maybe sitting him part of the game this week is going to help him be able to play next week. But if not, 
I think the Seahawks should have a little bit more confidence that Stone Forsythe can come in and at least do a decent job at right tackle. And they have Jake Curran available to dress as a backup if need be. He has been inactive a lot of games this year as a healthy scratch. But Forsythe, I thought, showed well in this game, did some nice things. Not a perfect outing by any means. Maybe go back to the film and we'll see some mistakes. But I thought that he acquitted himself well out there at the right tackle position playing his first meaningful snaps on offense since late in his rookie season almost a year ago. And then staying on the offensive side of the football, Colby Parkinson, a lot of listeners are going to remember the fourth down stop where he caught a ball in the flats and he was three yards short, got brought down, turnover on downs. I'm not going to blame Colby Parkinson for that because that's a really difficult play. Even when you turn up field, you're hoping you can break that tackle, but it's difficult to do that. You don't want to throw short of the sticks on fourth down like that. And that was the play call that the Seahawks put in place. And Geno Smith decided to go there, even though a defender was flying downhill to make a play. But he did add a 39-yard reception later in the game that set up their only touchdown, which was a touchdown to Noah Fant. So that was a very tight end, heavy drive. Again, I felt the Seahawks did not take advantage of that opportunity attacking the middle of Kansas City's defense until it was too little too late, but they started to do that later in the second half. And so Parkinson was able to step up, finish second on the team in receiving yards. Geno Smith was looking for him more in this game. You'd like to see him be involved a little bit more because of his 6'7 height and his athleticism, but he had that big play, one of the few explosives the Seahawks had in this game. I thought he had a couple decent blocks in the run game in the second half as well. He's been very up and down there as he continues to develop into a all-around tight end. But overall, I thought Parkinson played fairly well. A couple of his catches, he got put in some difficult positions because of the throw or being a few yards behind the sticks and not able to get the first down. But overall, I thought it was a pretty solid outing for him when most of the offense struggled today. And on defense, let's give some kudos to the newcomer, Jonathan Abram. He might have made the most impressive defensive play the Seahawks had all day. Everybody knows how great of a player Travis Kelsey is. His ability to create after the catch, he had two big plays on the Chiefs' final touchdown drive, including a 52-yarder where I believe Jordan Brooks was supposed to pick him up in coverage and unfortunately did not. He got by him down the seam. Patrick Mahomes hit him. Big play. But in the third quarter, the Seahawks were able to get multiple stops in a row on the Chiefs, and they were able to force multiple punts. And one of the third down stops they had, this was really impressive because Patrick Mahomes is one of the best in the business at improvising, extending plays, and finding receivers, especially Travis Kelsey. Those two have such impeccable chemistry that if he's got more than three or four seconds in the pocket or outside the pocket and he's able to continue scanning the field, he usually finds number 87. And he tried to do it on this particular play after rolling out to his right, and Jonathan Abrams stayed all over him, really sticky coverage, and he didn't commit a penalty. I thought he was going to get to the receiver a little bit too early, but he perfectly timed his move with his arm to go out and deflect the football, had a huge third down incompletion, and I thought he looked really good in limited reps. There were a couple other plays where he was defending against Kelsey and had solid coverage, and Mahomes didn't even look his direction. And so for a player that was not known for his coverage skills with the Raiders, more of a box safety he made some really nice plays and coverage with that third down stop being the most notable. So maybe he earns himself some more playing time moving forward, even when Ryan Neal comes back healthy. And if Neal's not ready next week, just like Stone Forsyth, I think the Seahawks can have some confidence that this former first rounder can maybe give them some solid snaps as a strong safety, given how well he played in coverage today against the best tight end in the NFL 
And unfortunately, we got to get to the three down side of things. When you lose a fifth time in six games, there's going to be players that didn't step up. And we got to start with the quarterback. And there's going to be a lot of pressure on a player like Geno Smith, who just earned a Pro Bowl nod on Wednesday. He's had a fantastic season, but his play has tapered off significantly the last couple of weeks. And this is not a Chiefs defense that was known as one of the ferocious five, so to speak. This is not a unit that was among the top five in scoring. They've had their issues this season, and yet Seahawks had four straight three and out. Some of that was because Geno Smith was not on from the start. His accuracy was not where we've seen it most of the year. He was playing with happy feet. He was indecisive. It just wasn't the same poised quarterback that we have seen most of this season. I thought late in the game that he started to settle down, but you can't have that happen in games of this magnitude. You've got to be ready to play and you got to step up. It certainly didn't help that the offensive line was allowing a lot of quick pressures and the fourth down situations. I don't know that the play calls necessarily were catered well to getting the first down. There were so many plays where they had routes being ran short of the sticks and just didn't make any sense. But there were a couple of times where his throws also hurt them. There was an out route to Laquan Treadwell that the throw ended up drifting towards the sideline and it ended up bringing Laquan Treadwell past the sticks and he ended up catching it a yard short. Whereas if the throw would have been a little better, maybe that ends up being a first down, but it just wasn't the best performance we've seen from Smith and the interception that he threw in the fourth quarter. That was a backbreaking one because it was still 17 to three at that point, midway through the fourth quarter. If the Seahawks go down and score a touchdown, it's a one score game and they've still got a timeout to work with. Unfortunately, through an interception, overthrew Marquise Goodwin. It looked like there was miscommunication there. Smith took the blame after the game. Who knows if that's really how it played out, but it looked like the two of them were not on the same page. Easy interception in the end zone for Juan Thornhill, and those are the kind of mistakes that Geno Smith has been making more frequently lately, and it's really hurting this football team. So they need to get number seven on track. He needs to get back to playing as he played most of the season in these last two games if the Seahawks want to finish strong and have any opportunity to make the playoffs. And now going to the interior offensive line. I feel like I can put at least one player from this group on this list every week. As of late, it has been a struggle for Austin Blythe, Gabe Jackson. Damian Lewis was playing better, didn't have a great game today, particularly in the first half. Even though they were able to get over 100 rushing yards from Ken Walker III, a lot of that damage came from the perimeter, the tackles and the tight ends and the receivers making blocks. When they tried to run between the tackles, especially in the first half, they were getting very little traction. Big reason for that is the guards in the center were consistently losing their battles off the snap at the line of scrimmage. And that's been a major problem for this run game and really pass protection as of late as well. The interior offensive line is just struggling mightily. If your middle guys are playing well or they're even playing decent, you shouldn't have five runs in a half where your running back is getting hit at the line of scrimmage or in the backfield, and yet that is what happened in the first half, just the first two quarters. There were negative plays in the second half as well where the interior offensive line, at least one of those guys, got whipped off the line of scrimmage. That group, that has really been the biggest problem for this offense the last five, six games, consistently having issues moving the pile, uh, getting push at the line of scrimmage, winning their blocks, positioning has not been good from that group. And so right now that looks like that is the biggest area of deficiency for this team heading towards next year with free agency in the draft. They have got to address the center position. They've got to figure out what their future is at guard. Is Damian Lewis still part of that? 
Gabe Jackson still got another year under contract. What are you going to do on that front? Right now, though, that group has been very underwhelming, and it's really limiting what this offense can do, both in the run game and in the passing game with some of the quick interior pressure they were giving up today. Chris Jones is a monster. Even really good offensive lines have problems with him. With that being said, that interior offensive line still got whipped. There were other players in the interior that were making plays as well. And they're just not good enough right now for this offense to consistently be able to move the ball and finish drives. It's been a real problem in the middle of that offensive line. And there's a lot of question marks there moving beyond this season to 2023. And on defense, there's a few other players that I maybe could have highlighted here. There were some big plays, some missed tackles given up. But this is really one of those one player takes advantage, the other one doesn't type situations. And Tease Tabor got the start today. For Ryan Neal, he was in the lineup at strong safety the first couple of drives. He gave up a 27-yard completion to Travis Kelsey. That happens to some of the best safeties in football. But he also got called for a penalty in that play. There were a few missed tackles. I thought the pursuit angles going towards making tackles were also off in this game. Again, I got to go back and watch all the film a second time, and maybe I'll think he played a little better. But watching live, he definitely seemed out of his element being in the lineup for the Seahawks. And when Jonathan Abram was in, they seem to play better as a defense, particularly defending the tight end. I thought Abram was really impressive. Tabor just didn't do anything to showcase I should get more plays moving forward in these last couple of games of the season, especially if Ryan Neal has to miss more time. If he misses another game or two to close out the season, I think that Jonathan Abram has put himself in a position to get most of those snaps and tease Tabor probably just being a dime defender at this point. But we'll see what the Seahawks choose to do. It was a really tough assignment going against Travis Kelsey. We'll give that to both these guys. You're dealing with a monster, one of the best tight ends ever to play the game. But Felt like it was maybe a little bit of a missed opportunity for him in this game, and there were some plays certainly that were left in the field when you don't have a lot of margin for error with Jonathan Abram battling for snaps there at the safety position as well. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Locked On Seahawks at Locked underscore Seahawks on Twitter. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up Monday, coming out of the holiday, I'll be rejoined by Rob Rang, and the two of us will be dishing out our Monday musings as we get towards the final stretch run with two games left to play. More takeaways from today's game after re-watching the film. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy your Christmas holiday and your time with your friends and family. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks!